Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of Good Night and Good Game. I'm your host, James. This week, we're not hosting our normal news-centric podcast due to us co-streaming the Game Awards on Thursday. So what I've done is brought you a very special follow-up to last week's Boss Room about the importance of roleplay. With me today is Caroline Jensen. Caroline is an avid role player working on projects such as TTRP Theater, which you can find on Twitch, where you can see her play in multiple Vampire the Masquerade projects. And she can also be seen in the World of Darkness documentary that is currently available to watch on Amazon. Caroline, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you to be here. This is going to be a blast. It's my first podcast, I have to tell you. It is. Wow. It is. All right. I'm so happy to be your first. So I'm going to start up with the hard questions. So right now, traditional role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons are going through kind of a renaissance, which is really cool, actually. Uh, there's you know shows like Critical Role and New York by Night. Um, they're helping what was considered kind of a niche hobby to become more mainstream. So I'm curious, what is it about the allure of role-playing games that you think has turned so many people onto the hobby? And is that what's drawn you into the hobby in the first place? Oh boy. Okay. So I think part of what happened was a cultural shift where all of these, all of the kids that grew up nerdy and dejected and, and um, ashamed of their hobbies realized that they could just continue to do the things that make them feel happy and mm -hmm. stop feeling ashamed for it. And um at least that's what happened with me, it, that you just kind of eventually stop feeling ashamed. And I think that's what people just decided that it's okay to be passionate about something. You know, if, if someone else can be, can, can be passionate about football, mm -hmm. why can't I be passionate about a, a specific type of sport fencing that is <laughs> closer to 16th century Italian fencing manuals? Like, mm -hmm. Everyone's nerdy about something. You just gotta find so, what it is. I love that you said that because that is a phrase we actually repeat a lot on this podcast. Everybody's <laughs> nerdy about something, whether or not it is football, any kind of sports ball, or being into RPGs. Everybody's nerdy about something, and that's kind of the beauty of the thing, right? Like yeah. being able to just really be invested in something so much that you're that passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like. And with, with all of us, you know, nerdy kids growing into nerdy adults and just staying nerdy mm -hmm. and the advent of, you know, the rise of YouTube and of Twitch and other, other streaming platforms like that, that we're allowed to show off the things that people have been doing since ever, mm -hmm. since ever. People have been playing games since they thought, what if we rolled a, what if we made this weird shaped rock, have <laughs> numbers on it and roll it? Yeah. Like there's a, there's a 6,000 year old D 20 from Egypt. I'm not even joking. They've been rolling fluoride D eights since they realized that fluorites make terrible D eights because they've got <laughs> the perfect cleavage for it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. one of those things, but so for you, it was a matter of finding something you connected with and just really jumping into it. So I know that you have told me previously that you're very much kind of a history buff and so things like, you know, you, you said that you've been in the, you've been in the SEA for a while. Um, so 
these things kind of come naturally to you as one would would, would say. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree, to a degree, not completely actually. Um, uh, I, I uh, grew up convinced that I would not understand role play games, that I would not, that I wouldn't understand the, the, the dice part, that I wouldn't understand the mechanics. Ooh. I grew up playing pretend, never stopped playing pretend. <laughs> right. And I was convinced that because I knew that D and D three five had a bajillion books, mm -hmm. um, and now uh, now D and D fifth ed has surpassed that. Mm -hmm. I was convinced I would not understand it. Right. It wasn't until I was eighteen, and one of my friends said, "Caroline, you like vampires, right?" And I went, "Yes, I do. Yes, I really do." <laughs> and they went, "Play this vampire game with me. It's easy. Do you know how to play rock paper scissors?" And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, great." then you understand how to win at things. Let's go. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I just let myself, like I had to be convinced to try it. And then okay. from there, let myself expand into just trying all these other things and was recently uh, introduced to, uh, it's like a two person LARP where literally one person makes dinner. And that's, that's, that's the LARP. It's okay. called, um, I think it's called holding your, holding my breath. Oh, I would have called it having a roommate. <laughs> it's oh no, it's a sel it's about a selkie. Mm. One person plays a selkie, but it's um for me it didn't come naturally at first until I realized that I wasn't letting it come naturally. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It and does. So it's part of it's been a yeah, sorry. Getting into role play is difficult because where's your comfort level with other people or letting yourself be the character or there's a reason why there's a joke that theater kids just kind of transition over into LARP because it's like a natural progression. Oh yeah. Them, oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it, it can be difficult and daunting at first. And when you're sitting around a table with role players, sometimes you can tell who the newbies are. And I don't use that term derogatorily. I I'm saying it though. Like maybe they don't yeah. feel as comfortable getting as into the role as somebody else. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it's true. Um, and everyone's new at one point. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have to remind myself that some days that I am not a newbie anymore. I've been doing this <laughs> I, for over I a decade too. now. Um, and you, you played with me for two days and I was just like, am I still a newbie? I don't know. I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, ex exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, we all are convinced that we're still new at this, but mm. it, yeah, it's, sorry, I just had a full brain wipe um with <laughs> there is a degree of like theater kids understand the permission of letting yourself possibly look ridiculous right in order to let the intensity happen um you know which is why like there is the i i will always uh, admire um the audacity of like waffer larpers locally who who oh, go and uh, game at parks Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like I mean, that's... I'm also saying that because like there is often when the weather's good, uh I fence with the SCA and we'll go to the park and we'll fence. And sometimes the boffer LARPers will come over, you know, for Bella Garth and we'll and we'll hang out and chit chat and like I can see them doing their game. They're having a great time. They can see us. Sometimes the heavy fighters are out there clanging around <laughs> in their in their uh suits of armor. Mm -hmm. But you know. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's it's a good time for everybody. So right now you're doing work with TTRP Theater, which is a Twitch yes. channel based around several ongoing RPG campaigns. 
Um, but they do also post some of their previous episodes on YouTube. Um, I'd really like for you to tell me more about the channel and some of the work that you do there and some of the people that you work with. Yes. So I um, joined TTRP Theater mm -hmm. um, in early 2020 um, when it was the official Cult Divinity Lost Twitch channel. For a while, it was the official cult channel. Um, uh, it was TTRP Theater before then. It became then afterwards. But for, for a time, it was the, the official Cult Divinity Lost channel. And essentially, um, when uh, when um, Helmgast made that deal with that channel, uh, they approached one of my friends who was planning a game anyways and went, hey, do you want to stream this cool game? Do you want to stream your 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 campaign of Cult of Divinity Lost on our channel? He said yes. Um, and from there, we we played uh, Sinners and Saints. I depicted a character named Eve Keller, um, and it was uh, horrifying and beautiful and raw and very at times surprisingly difficult um, for the the character to portray. the The story was amazing. Um, but it's basically a channel where a bunch of different people will stream their campaigns, um, long form or short form, um, as essentially kind of recreation of a community theater stage. Okay. Um, I mean, they are, they are very interlinked, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Actually, we were, um, there was after one particular stream, uh, Curtis, who is one of the two people that really run the channel, um, we, we'd been chatting afterwards, and he's like, "Okay, great, now get off my stage. I'm I'm ending the Zoom call." <laughs> <laughs> I, I will um, say, when I yeah. first got introduced to uh, TTRP Theater, um, which was through a bunch of us having role played together, um, mm -hmm. and I went to check it out, and you had recommended the Fallen Angels right uh, storyline. Yes. So I went ahead and started with that. And I was wondering about like the theatrics part of it because I was enjoying it. I'm like, oh, this is, this is great role play. Everybody's having a good time. But like, where's the theater part of it? And then one of the characters picks up and eats a whole ass human heart right on screen. And I went, oh, oh, there, that's, that's it. That oh, is a thing that just yep. happened. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Ty's character, Lily, who is mm -hmm. a heart eater. Um I know the makeup trick that they did with that. Mm -hmm. I will not lift the, I mean, I can lift the curtain if you want on what that trick was. Um, it, the, the magic of those, the way, those kinds of stories, we like to have just a teensy bit of scripting, just an idea of right. here's some stuff that we want to do for this episode. You know, here's a starter so that we can at least kind of prepare. Like I now always have various kinds of fake blood literally <laughs> right here. <laughs> to you know i have i keep dice here um but yeah it's it started out with us we're like almost all of the people in fallen angels i take that back all of the people in fallen angels are larpers mm -hmm. or former theater kids or all of the above um and we like putting on a good show because we know that we're gonna like we like to see it and we like to see all of the yeah. the 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 screaming after the after the 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 stream ends um, but oh, it, I mean, it's just so, it's just so rewarding with, with a lot of the, 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 uh, Vitae Chronicles, which are the, the interconnected world of darkness, uh, games that we have going on TTRP theater. 
not all of them are part of uh, the Vitae Chronicles. Right. But... So let's talk about that. You have multiple games that are going on, but the Vitae yes. Chronicles are a common thread that go through multiple. Yeah, it's games. it's like a yeah, it's a, it's a common canon because it's fun to have. It's fun to reference stuff. And I did get to watch one of the outtakes or the Q and A think panels yeah. recently. And a lot of you had either met at or had characters that were in your, um, sorry, TTRPG or, or TTRP theater group that were in the, um, had participated in the night in question LARP. Yes. Right. So, so here, in, uh, here in Austin. Yeah. The, the, the basis of the characters in, uh, in Fallen Angels is a, is are based on characters we portrayed at the night in question 2019. Um, we decided to portray a pack of of uh, Path of Night vampires that are you know in in they're mentioned in passing in one of the books, mm-hmm. like just in passing. Oh, there's this pack of La Sombra that are all Path of Night called the Fallen Angels, right? Or oh, sorry, the Black Angels. And we went, wouldn't that be fun? So it was um, Adam, Ty, CJ, and I. And then another one of our friends, Corrigan, who I you you did meet him at, at Saturnalia. Mm-hmm. Um, big tall blonde guy, bless him. He, he, uh, his character's name at Saturnalia was Slander. So we were all in a pack, um, and we decided um, earlier this earlier this year, wouldn't it be fun to play a reunion game? Wouldn't it just be for funsies? Corrigan unfortunately couldn't make it, and then we realized, okay, well, why don't we just record this and stream it? Why, why not? Why not? Um, we had the the fantastic Michael. Um, his oh my god! So we got him to 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 storytell, and it's been just a joy because he is also a Sabat player. So all the fun Sabat stories are all love letters of the Sabat for the Sabat to the Sabat, um, and he absolutely. Well, his his love letter to the Sabbat, let me just tell you. But uh, so, yeah, we um, anyway, to back to the point, we did per- portray uh, Mother, Lily, Tiffany and Zazel all at the night in question 2019. And then we decided to make it fun to tie Darcy, the character Darcy from Vengeance and Valdery into that pack because Jamie wanted to take part in it. So we we found a way we decided to what we like to do is write some story and then fill in backstory because it's more fun to it's more fun that way. And then you can, you know, do some interesting paint yourself into a corner acrobatics. So yeah. Anyway, I, I'm, I ramble a lot. You're like, you're like highly the, recommend TTRP theater on Twitch. Do yes. give them a follow. Um, you have multiple campaigns though. You're not, uh, the channel is not solely just vampire, the masquerade. Um, there are other campaigns that if you're mm-hmm. maybe not into vampire, the masquerade, you could follow. Uh, yes. So, um, like I said, it used to be, uh, the, the official cult divinity lost channel. Mm-hmm. So, um, there is an ongoing cult divinity lost campaign called the place of wrath and tears, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. It takes place right now in, uh, late fifties in Las Vegas in the okay. time where they would have a bomb parties in the middle of the night to watch the proving grounds test bombs and wasn't it lucky that all of the wind carried that radiation to the north and t- instead of to the south <laughs> um uh so there's there's that i mean there's um i mean there's a ton of of um other like longer form and short form um i think you uh, I heard there was like a werewolf campaign on there Sorry. as well yes <laughs> yeah there was a there is a werewolf camp there was a werewolf campaign there are sometimes talks about a season two of it mm-hmm. called heritage and honor that i am also in um 
Ben, who runs uh, Wrath and Tears, also stars in that. It's a, it's another. It is connected. It is part of the Vitae Chronicles because it is okay. world. It is the world of darkness. Um, there is another. Of course, Sinners and Saints, another cult divinity lost uh, game. There is um, uh, Negative Space, which Ben and I are also both in. That is run by Jr. Uh, Jason Fryer, who has written for Cult Divinity Lost since second edition in the 90s and edited. Um, wow. or, he's written for cult since the 90s and then um, edited Cult Divinity Lost and those later editions. So okay. it's highly recommend. If you want some Appalachian spooky, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. And who who doesn't it. write? Like, oh my goodness. Oh, it's, it's, it was such an honor to take part in that care in that, in that story. And it was, like we understood that it only needed to be six or seven episodes, mm-hmm. but I would like. There is a to beauty to that when it comes yeah. to a role playing game with tabletop, LARP, anything. There is a beauty to knowing the end game and knowing that you're going in for a certain amount of things. It, it it's almost in the way that, and we'll get into this a little bit, little bit later. The way that I have only recently come into Nordic LARP and really appreciated it because if you're not beholden to having your character every single week. Sometimes you're willing to let the character go or let dramatic things happen in a way that you you Absolutely. normally wouldn't, right? Absolutely. Um, it's that it's the permission to make the stupid decision. Exactly. To, to make the to make the strong narrative decision. And um and if I take anything into my role play from my personal yeah. life, it is giving myself the permission to make stupid decisions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because <laughs> these these characters feel real while we're playing them, but they're not real people. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Why not ruin the life? Why not ruin my own right. make believe yeah, life? Just, just ruin all of it, please. <laughs> so, silly as this is getting, I want to get serious for just a moment yes. because I, when I do these interviews, I always try and like look for some select quotes from the people that I speak to. And, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but you once said that role playing games helped you explore and work through your own personal trauma. And so I'm really curious. What is it about engaging in a role-playing game that you think that, think that can help a person heal from negative past experiences? Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this section by saying role-play can be therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Do not use games as therapy mm-hmm. without consent and agreement from your, from your fellow players and DM. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface that. Because your your therapist is not your, your 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 GM, your ST, your DM, whatever you call them, uh, they are not your therapist. If you want to explore trauma in the game, mm-hmm. you are absolutely encouraged to do that. But don't do it to the detriment of your other players. If they say it's not fun, pick something so else. So when they say that LARP is cheaper than therapy, that's only as long as you have consent then. Y- yes. You know, and it's... LARP, I think, should have consent all over it. Um, mm. Just, just, just make it messy with consent. It's, Can we just say that about everything in general in life? Just, just <laughs> messy just, with consent. Messy with consent. Everything. Um, so I, I don't know all of the exact um, psychology behind it, but play therapy is a thing that it's not a new thing. With the popularity of role playing games in the last 10, 15 years, the idea of using role play games for the for role play therapy to work through traumas has has actually it like become more and more of a thing and it's become really helpful 
Um, for me, we will gloss over the traumas, the abusers, but we, what we will say is when I didn't know that role play therapy, you know, was a thing, I was feeling very lost. I, I was having, I was having a rough go of it, but I looked at my character that I had, who was big, strong, badass, who had no, no fear, not really. And I had a chance to play through these coincidentally fitting, um, circumstances then went, if she can do these hard things, if she can face these horrible things and move through them and become more and become what she wants to be, then I can too, because I've done it. Because I did it as someone else. Look at look at me play, putting on this other person and becoming more than what I am, what I was, what just my trauma is. And then at the end, you take that person off, you hang them up on the wall, wherever, whatever you would like to think as you, you know, when you, when you come out of the character and you bring a little, just a little bit of them with you, you, you learn what they have learned and you, you take it. There's, so there's the concept of in role-playing, there's the concept of bleed where the, the persona, the self, the, the self and the persona mesh. And it can be very, it can be very difficult, but there is good bleed where helpful things from the character come through into the self. And bleed also goes the opposite way, where the self um, comes through into the persona, into the person you're playing, um, and can have interesting effects and can can be can bring about really interesting role play that way. Um, because sometimes you realize, oh no, I've been playing myself the entire time. And look at me. <laughs> oh no, it was me trauma. all along. <laughs> it was me, Dio. <laughs> it's so yeah, and so knowing that I I played through this the this character, I didn't I like to think that I didn't make my trauma and exploring my trauma through the character other people's problem, we'll say for lack of a better term. Sure. And if people if you say I have these I have these things that I want to explore. I I want to explore these trauma things that will affect other characters. And the other players say, absolutely, yes, let's do that. Then do that. If the players aren't excited about it, don't let it affect the other players. Let that be a little a little story you tell with, with just the storyteller. You know, if the storyteller is game, is, is, is up for it. If the storyteller doesn't think it's fun, play that character in a different setting. <laughs> right. You know, or get some therapists. Get, get, some, get some therapy. Get some therapists. Just a, just a handful of therapists. Right. But, but it's sounding like you're saying that there is a place for if, let's say, table, for lack of a better term. Yes. If, the, if you talk to the table and say, hey, I would really like to play a character that would help me work through a very traumatic thing. Would you be my support group and let me play that and be there for me? And in the event that I have to call stop, you understand that this is where this is coming from. Right. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. that that role play is therapy, but it can be an asset to maybe trying to overcome those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want to substitute role play for therapy, right? but it can be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. The catharsis is hugely therapeutic. Um, and it also goes for, you know, discussing uh, you know, the ideas or themes of a story ahead of time. You know, I want to tell yeah. stories that have maybe these sorts of themes. What do you think? Um, with a lot of campaigns that that I run, especially that most of them are horror-based, mm -hmm. we will do like consent forms or, you know, consent checklists. We often do, I like checklists because I'm lazy and a consent <laughs> form of fill in what you don't want feels like homework and I don't like that. But a checklist of here's a list of traumas and you have green, yellow, red, because I like stoplight systems. It's hard to mess up a stoplight. When you, if you're in the US, you know stop is you know, stop is red and green is go and yellow is ask. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so of having lists of, you know, like, absolutely, yes, let's, you know, yes to any of these things, ask me for any of these these themes, and red is, let's not have that in the game, shall we? Right. If you need to have, if it is important, can it, ha- can it be something that is vaguely mentioned off camera and we go into no detail? We do not explore it in game, you know, um, because... You know, consent should absolutely go both ways for all, you know, all of the players and the storyteller. Everybody, you know, as long as everybody's having fun, explore the themes. Right. But calibration is important and it's more and, meaningful. And, and as somebody who it. prefers, while I, I'm primarily a storyteller, but when I do play Vampire the Masquerade, I tend to prefer to play Sabat. Yeah. Um, I want to have those visceral experiences and that requires consent. Because I, I want to go to dark places, but I want to do that with the people around me that I trust. Yes, absolutely. And um, 100% of everyone I've ever asked always trusts yes more when they've heard no. Mm-hmm. Um, and in TTRP theater is a great place to see calibration and consent checking bring some brings about some really intense things like the um, there is a particularly steamy scene in Sinners and Saints. I want to say it's like episode four of season one. It's one of the earlier ones, but (laughs) and that all came about because someone went, I would like to do this. Do you feel comfortable, Adam? And Adam went, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. What do you have? Let's let's let's, you know, let's can let's work this out. Let's do some let's do some figuring out of where the comfort levels actually lie. Now that we know that you want to do this, Mm -hmm. because if you don't ask, the answer is no. But when you ask, then you can actually calibrate and figure out where are we really comfortable. Oh, just a tea leaf. Just wanted to point that out. That is a very important yeah. thing to say there. Just a tea leaf was saying as somebody with PTSD, I can sympathize with that feeling. I find LARP and TTRPG to be very helpful for me and my struggles. Thank you for your insight. Absolutely. Um, it comes from a lot of experience. Uh, there's There's been some really visceral um, role play moments, especially in um, Heritage and Honor that, uh, you know, I didn't realize were story elements go- coming up and, you know, I'm just going to say didn't, they, they were good. They were really important. They were, they were like, there was a lot of catharsis. Um, and uh, there was a, there was a character death that um, by sheer coincidence, because Adam just has this, has this, uh, this, this ability to accidentally give, accidentally tell the story of something that has something that is exactly parallel in my life. Mm-hmm. Oops. It's happened with, uh, <laughs> oops, oops, trauma. Here we go. Oops, oops. Exactly. Caroline's trauma. It's happened three times now <laughs> that it was, um, my, uh, some, some, it's all, it was all familial stuff. And, uh, just, I'm like, Adam, I didn't tell you about this. How do you, how? And he's like, Sorry, we we talked about it. I'm okay. I got the I got all of the debriefs that I need. But um, yeah, yeah, catharsis is important. It and, is. Um, yeah, you welcome. Use your consents. <laughs> welcome to the, the world of role playing. Yes. So, Listen, if you don't cry some point during a LARP, are you really LARPing? Ah, that is yes. true. All right. The answer is yes. It is time to talk about any and all things Saturnalia. Yes. Saturnalia was a Vampire the Masquerade LARP or live action role play event unlike any that I've ever been to. It was hosted over several days in New Orleans and it was put on by Reverie Studios, who partnered with By Night Studios. So as we start to get into the topic of Saturnalia, let's see. So I'm curious, how did you become involved with Reverie and how did you find yourself attending Saturnalia? Okay, this is a whole story. Yeah, Um, let's do it. It starts with... um... 2016 Grand Masquerade in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. There, um, at the at Grand Masquerade, they held 
for clarification, was this the one that was filmed for the World of Darkness documentary? Yes, that is where um, that is where I they they interviewed my my interview or they did my they recorded my interview. Mm -hmm. I speak English. Uh, they recorded my interview there. There was a lot of a lot of filming they did at at the um, at Grand Masquerade itself at the uh, Astor Crown in in the French Quarter. Um, and uh, at that LARP, at the event, there was a, a run of a LARP that they had already done in. Um, I want to say it was Sweden earlier that year, or the year before, called "End of the Line." It was a vampire LARP um, done in the Nordic, done in Nordic style, which is um, Nordic style LARP is really um, the only mechanic is a consent mechanic. Um, everything else is everything. So, else uh, is so unlike traditional D and D or even tabletop vampire, mm -hmm. instead of it being based around a character sheet that has points and values and things you're having to math against each other, in a Nordic style you come to an agreement about how the story will progress. Exactly. Exactly. Your character doesn't die unless you want them to, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you and whoever you're talking to uh, discuss what, what you both want to happen and you work together to figure out where, where that meets so that both of you win. Um, which also includes the concept of playing to lose. Cause sometimes it is more interesting to lose a fight than to absolutely. win every fight. It absolutely. Is. Um, and at end of the line, uh, the guys who founded Reverie Studios, Ken Garrett and Chris, all attended as well as I did. Um, and the LARP was intense and oh, my heart. Um, it was it was it was amazing, um, really intense, really like fully immersed you into the world of this one nightclub and all that mattered was this underground nightclub. That was the last night that it would ever exist. Tomorrow truly does not fucking matter. Let's embrace tonight for what tonight is, which is the only night that matters. Um, and afterwards, there was a there was an after party at the they held the Succubus Club at the um, the Orpheum Theater. I had to think of it. I was like, oh, it's the place that's above the Double Dealer. It's the Orpheum Theater. Um, and it was there that the three of them decided. We want to make LARPs like that. I remember Jason Carl asking me afterwards. I went up to the bar and hung out with him. And he said, Caroline, what did you think of End of the Line? And the thing that I told him was, why don't all LARPs feel like that? And he told me, they can, and we want them to. So that was the birth of Reverie Studios, was Ken, Garrett, and Chris all deciding, we're making LARPs like this. Mm -hmm. They then attended at another convention in Berlin, a LARP called Enlightenment in Blood, which is the same basic concept of Saturnalia, which is one night across a ton of different venues. It was all across Berlin. Um, oh God, doing that in Berlin? Oh. In Berlin. That I did not intense. have the opportunity to go. I tried, but I couldn't get the money together. You say New Orleans was together. intense. Berlin, I just don't know. Berlin, like Berlin, and it was across the, it was, it was huge. Um, I think it might've been, it might've been more spread out or maybe fewer uh, venues. I can't remember exactly, but there are some pictures of that where at the end of the night, some of the people are just covered in blood. It was amazing. It was amazing to see the That's photos. how all the nights should be ending at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so they took that concept and worked with it and decided, let's try it in New Orleans, I think, as far as I understand, you know, and they, so they did, I want to say 13 different locations across the French Quarter um, for one night. Saturnalia itself was one night, um, although they did have a LARP the day before on a boat, on a, on a steamboat. In in the river and it was amazing and beautiful. On a boat. On a boat. Um, get your get your swim trunks and your flippy floppies. <laughs> We're on a boat. Yeah. And um I 
came to be part of Reverie, I will say by a sheer, I won't call it luck. I will say that I feel lucky and I feel blessed to have known these guys and to have played with them, um, you know, and been friends with them that when they told me it was happening, they said, we want you here. How do we make it happen? I ended up uh, being part of the makeup team um, to 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 uh, make up for that. Well, we'll say, you know, essentially they, they wanted me on the makeup team. They wanted me to attend the LARP. We made it happen. Um, they wanted you to be there and they found a financial way to yeah. fit you into the budget, essentially. Essentially, yes. Um, and and so I was on the makeup team. And I think I did it. I think I did pretty darn okay especially for you know my my first time doing anything like that mm-hmm. um and um through an anonymous donor i was also able to attend the uh, death and hope event the night before saturnalia which without that person i would never have been able to go mm-hmm. um so if you're out there if you're listening to this thank you thank you thank you um that night to find a lot of things it defined a lot of things and um that is if it is not the name of a chapter of my life, it is definitely a section in it that where that is the beginning of a section. I think that that trip, that entire that entire trip for me was uh, really a lesson in accepting, feeling and accepting love that friends give me and letting good things happen to me, um, which was harder to do than I thought. But um, for, for me, th- yeah. all of Saturnalia was a trip and accepting the person that I that I knew that I was and the things that I wanted to embrace, but I had pushed to the side for a very long time. Yeah. Um, Which is fitting. So- Saturnalia uh, as a game was about change. And sometimes the change is becoming who you already are. True. Yeah. So... That kind of brings me to my next question, because we have a lot of people here that may not know what the story or the theme of Saturnalia was. So for people who were unable to attend, how would you describe the overall story of the game? It's always hard to describe the story of a Nordic style LARP because every character is the main character of their own story. So what I will say is the premise for Death and Hope, the event the night before Saturnalia itself, the premise was that it was a um, a funeral for an elder vampire who decided to take their own life to um, to avoid feeling uh, the the beckoning, which is a um, you know the, this undeniable pull that elder vampires feel in specifically the V five setting because it is a it's a different it is a different animal as far as games go from the other editions of Vampire. Saturnalia was an event in a series of events that had happened for so long in New Orleans that are about, it's 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 celebrating a holiday, which is a, about embracing change in some way, social change, change with love, uh, you know, starting or ending a life, but it is- It's almost the way that some people treat New Year's in a way. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but with more, much more passion, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the the point of Saturnalia is that you will not go to bed the person you woke up as, in some way, um, and that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. But it is a thing that will happen. Boy, it was a if thing. you're doing it right. It was a thing. <laughs> Boy, howdy, was it? Um, <laughs> the there was a lot of nuance that went into the 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 smaller the smaller stories that involve that were involved in 
Saturnalia itself, political upheaval, assassination attempts, uh, werewolves showing up just because it's a party, just, yo. Yeah, right. The, just they they were the party wolves. They were just there who, the who were the biggest threats, and all of a sudden became like the friendliest people. Oh, they were never. I I know. I know now that they were never a threat. They were right. literally we just there to party. Then, we didn't like, know that. We just moment. knew that. It was, <laughs> we just knew. Oh God, there's a there's there's a werewolf next to me. Oh God, what do you mean there are five? <laughs> no. No, 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 please no. <laughs> um, yeah, there was the threat of the second inquisition. Oh my gosh. That was, that was, oh. <laughs> we were all worried that we were all going to die at any given moment. But I think the most yeah. important part about this question is that you, you kind of brought this up at the beginning, which was when it comes to Nordic style LARPs, um, which are different than traditional rock, paper, mm -hmm. scissor LARPs, there is no set story while there may be plot threads that are woven through yeah. all of the characters it's really about the interpersonal connection with one another than it is hey let's go kill the big bad right exactly exactly you can get into as many fights as you want you can survive as many fights as you want but it's about telling your own story around this premise um the night in question also does that you know it's got some basic, um, you know, basic uh, premise of the night. There are plot threads that you can chase if you really want to. But if you don't, if you don't, if you don't chase a plot, you're still winning, you know. And of course, I say that with big air quotes that I hope you can hear that there's no way to win or lose a LARP, especially not Nordic style, because the point of it is to tell a story and have fun and explore this person that you are for just this limited amount of time. I think the so I've I only played Nordic style twice, which was the night in question and Saturnalia. And the best way I could describe it to somebody that has never played it before is think about sitting around a campfire with all your friends and there's a, a bottle of whatever. Mm -hmm. And whoever has the bottle gets to tell a part of a story and take a drink and then passes it to the person to their right. And we accept that whatever the person to the right says happens next before they take a drink is what happens. Exactly. It's, it's collaborative storytelling. It's, mm -hmm. I describe it a lot as um, uh, playing pretend as a kid, there was one last game that you had one last game of pretend that you had with the, with that particular group of friends. Mm -hmm. And you might not have known that it was the last one, but you played like it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then those storylines went off and did their own things in whatever universe where they are real. I thought um, about that a lot growing up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend of mine when I was very, very young up in Michigan who introduced me to Lord of the Rings and um, he was uh, of native descent and he was really into Strider Aragorn as a character because <sighs> of that representation. Because he showed yeah. me the animated Lord of the Rings. This is because I'm an old, I watched the animated <laughs> Lord of the Rings and that's when I found Legolas. And I was like, Oh, like that, appeals to me like being this like elegant archer and i remember this day in michigan in a summer where like we were playing those characters and i went oh we never did that ever again that was a a moment yeah. in time that we just did this thing exactly exactly that ephemeral feeling um the other way i describe it and i'm going to preface this with um i do not use this term lightly please for the Catholics out there, I am not trying to blaspheme. I liken it to a passion play mm -hmm. in the most serious sense 
where for this amount of time, you become this other person. What we know as reality ceases to be. You are this person. You live their life. You feel their pain, their joy, their their sorrows. You feel everything of, of this person. You are them for that amount of time. And then the game ends. Yeah. And I, I have to preface it with saying that I do not mean to blaspheme because it's it when I played an end of the line, it was that intense for me. And I, I speak from some degree of experience with Catholicism and to say that. I will go on the record and say that there were parts of Saturnalia that were that for me. Exactly. That just that intense. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you know you're really doing it right. Yeah. You're still doing it right if you don't feel that, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But those are the really those are those lightning in a bottle moments. Yeah. When and like looking back, I do have an I do have a lightning in a bottle moment from Saturnalia, um, where reality as you know it has gone out the flipping window. It's mm-hmm. just gone. <sighs> yeah, yeah. So that's how I describe LARP. <laughs> I, I, to answer your question, I, long I, I <laughs> want to hear more about this moment, but. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you a question that any role player wants to hear. In my opinion, it's like a love language. It's in, it's the question that you want your significant other to ask you if they're not into role play, but you come home. The first thing you hope they ask when you walk through the door, and that is when it came to the game in New Orleans to Saturnalia, tell me and the audience about your character. Okay, so I decided with the, I played Andromeda Evans, and Andromeda um, was for Saturnalia. I decided, because I can, because I'm a bit lazy, and because why not, to rework a different character that I played at The Night in Question 2021, because why not? Um, And I, I reworked her so much so that really what I did was take the name and the basic background of was in a punk band in the 70s and managed a different punk band in the late 90s and stamped a different faith clan and, uh, you know, like worldview on it. Oh, and sect. Originally, Andromeda Evans was a Tory anti-tribute, you know, of course, in the Sabat and... Uh, the evil uh, vampires of the, all... The, the eviler vampires? They, they are... Verification for our audience. <laughs> the, in, the, in the Sabat for in, in Vampire the Masquerade, the Sabat are... They're right about everything they say, but they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. I think it's the clarification. They they are the they were originally thought up to be the bad the bad guys in uh, first edition, and then everyone went monsters. You say, can I play these monsters? And <laughs> these in second mon- edition, they these, went these monsters. Fine, you can play the monsters. <laughs> yeah, um, Andromeda for Saturnalia was Banu Hakim. She was a Bahari, and she was a sheriff in the Camarilla. Um, uh, but still retained that um, I definitely, I definitely may or may not have been in a band in the seventies, and definitely may or may not have managed a band called Raising Cain in nineteen ninety eight. That definitely, definitely ended a tour in Austin. <laughs> um, and I will never, I will never not say that about that because at that night in question, I played a band manager. And I made a band happen for two and a half minutes in the live music capital of the world. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That it, I didn't and, even realize that that was a bucket that, list. I want to clarify, you aren't 
speaking in like abstract terms. No, your I literally actually grew like your group got together, learned actual instruments and yes. played two and a half minutes worth of music. Yes. Having no experience in music whatsoever. So some of the some of the players, um, we did have a singer. The drummer had never picked up drumsticks and did uh, they did a month of a month of drum lessons. The bassist knew already knew how to play the the bass and our last minute guitarist who only got five minutes of, of practice the day of because our our other guitarist uh, had to back out at the last minute. All you know, and our singer, they all um, performed an original song that the bassist wrote called Jeep Rituals. Um, we're still trying to figure out if we're going to put the demo and possibly a fully produced version somewhere we need to figure that out um but they i managed a band that night and that band performed an original song in the live music capital of the world in front of around 150 people to the point that the stage manager of the night in question after we ended our one song set we ended it kind of abruptly but it was so convincing that the stage manager went are you guys gonna continue playing or and i went oh no 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 actually um we just had the one song. Please let the DJ continue. We've taken enough of the DJ's time. Thank you. But we'd love to make it happen again. But yeah, I, I literally made a band happen in the live music capital of the world. The only thing now that is on that that section of the bucket list that I didn't know was there is perform with a band in the live music capital of the world because I think I can sing. And so you've taken this character from the night in question and decided. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I same, same, but not same. Yeah, I, I, I took it reworked it I, I put it through i put it through a, a a meat grinder saw what came out slapped it into a mold and watched it solidify um and she became she was still as much a disaster child as uh her original version was um but over the night of saturnalia and over the night of uh death and hope um she absolutely did go through a metamorphosis of not eschewing not denying uh, not tossing away these other wrongs that she has done, but accepted herself and accepted what was in front of her this whole time. I did not, originally I thought that the change she would go through was social change. And oops, I accidentally, a really, really a lovely uh, romance that was, that she had no clue was 40 years in the making. She had no clue. <laughs> They had no idea. She had no clue. She had no idea. They yeah. had no idea. They never knew. <laughs> Two blessed idiots. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And and to give a little bit of clarification to audience who may not be familiar with the story, our characters went through a whole lot over two days. And uh considering <laughs> the fact they had 40 years of hanging around each other, you thought maybe they would have figured these things out before. No, nope. No, nope. no, just never knew. Had no idea. They're just, just, nope. they never knew. They never knew. They, they thought they were roommates. So what would you say was the pinnacle for your character when it came to development over two days then? Right. So, so we're not talking about that. The game had an overarching story. If we're talking yeah. about Andromeda, what is her, emotional things that she went through that when you came out at the end of the game, you said, I feel like I had a complete story because I did these things. Yeah. So there were, there were a lot of moments um, going into it. She knew that a lot of people were mad at her and the most, the most, the one of the arguably the most important person in her own life aside from her 
was mad at her because she committed the forbidden slurp, diablery, mm-hmm. um, which he really didn't want her to. So she went in with this mentor, this 500-year-old uh, Ventru. His name is Ashok, knowing that he was he's been mad at her to the point that he will not con- he will not communicate with her directly for a number of years. Um, going into it. So they had dinner together and he was mad. She'd gotten over lectured. But during the course of that conversation, I cracked a joke and he laughed and said, damn it, Andromeda, don't make me laugh. I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to stop being mad at you yet or something like that. Um, And that's when I knew things are going to start being okay. And later during the funeral rites, which uh, became particularly intense for me, I lost my cousin uh, in late May to cancer. and um, listening to these outpourings of love of this person that was such a joy in all of their lives that was gone too soon and was missed and how important this person was. I was feeling a lot of that. And I was feeling a lot let's of that out t- of character. Let's, let's talk about that. Because we talked earlier about how role play can get us through traumatic experiences and difficult yeah. times. I remember before we even really interacted with each other at all, um, when you had talked about that you were going to be led into death and hope because somebody had purchased a ticket mm-hmm. for you. Um, you you did talk about your cousin and trying to deal with the death of a family member that you were very close to. And you did say that that informed a lot of your emotions and everything you were going through that evening. Was it difficult for you to process while we were there in that moment doing those things? So... I was not as close to Libby as I wanted to be, um, as I want to be, want to have been. Um, but that happens sometimes. Um, but the love was absolutely still there. I went in anticipating that I was going to have a much rougher go of it than I did, which is why I wore waterproof eyeliner. Did I wear waterproof mascara? No, but we were almost there. So I went in anticipating a deal of catharsis and I warned the game runners ahead of time there was a there was a pre-LARP survey of, you know, what do you want to get out of this experience so that they so that they knew what to give people. And I warned them about that and just let them know um, that I wanted to celebrate her because she deserves to be celebrated when and how she can, because she absolutely was just a joy in everything that she did. Um, and knowing that that catharsis would be helpful for me um, brings me to that next moment where, Listening to these stories, there was um, the the ule and their drum beats uh, was kind of I was just kind of letting the moment move me as it was going to move me, and I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes. And Ashok, the man who plays Ashok, Ajit, is very tall, <laughs> a very tall man. Um, and Ajit is a very beautiful man, by the way. He's beautiful. Uh, he's so intelligent and well spoken, and so caring. And um, I want him to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just want to give him a big hug. I want to give Strix a big hug too. I miss them mm-hmm. a lot. I'm wearing my Seattle t-shirt um, in honor of them. Uh, and uh, I, I didn't, see, he came up behind me, um, which, you know, normally is, is a, is a don't, but he came up behind me and stood beside me. I could see him out of the corner of my eye and I felt a hand. We had, we had, uh, we had discussed comfort levels of, you know, physical, like, you know, professional physical touch ahead of time. And I, I said, yes, please do. 
we we discussed, you know, no fences and things like that, comfort levels. And he came up beside me and put his hand on my shoulder. And so the, I felt this this strong, unyielding, but not unkind hand on my shoulder of this mountain of I am here with you in this moment. And I knew, you know, that was um I'm getting a little choked up about it, even out of character, even now. Um that it was it was so important in and out of character at that moment that someone just saw that this was happening and comforted me. I wish there had been a picture of it, but there's a picture of it almost happening. There's a picture of a moment before. We talk about this um, idea of bleed in that moment where yeah. the you and your character flow into one another. And that's a dangerous thing to talk about, obviously, but we talk about this idea of bleed almost in the same breath that we talk about the idea of role play is therapy and it feels like these things there there was a confluence of all of them mm -hmm. in that moment yeah bleed is not always a bad thing um I it agree. can often be a very helpful thing and in that moment there was a a there was a there was no small degree of anticipated bleed into the character there was still there was a good degree of catharsis of i am not alone in this feeling that i am feeling of this pain and sucker and beauty in these moments of celebrating this life that so many people miss that so many people love still love and it doesn't matter if i'm talking about libby or not we attended a funeral for an imaginary person and yet yeah. took that time to grieve the people that we've lost over the last several years to be honest yes and i can't speak for all of us but i can say that at least for myself like we got to host a funeral for an imaginary person, but that imaginary person was a conduit for God, the last several fucking years. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was um, like, I hope a lot of people got that degree of, of, of catharsis as well of let me, let me honor this person and let me let them go in a way, you know, if, if they, then they will go where they will you know, let me celebrate them. Let me love them. Let me know. Let me let them know that I love them, whether they're hearing me or not. That doesn't matter. Let me say the, the let me say the love. And that was, that was a really important moment for me as Caroline. It was an important moment for the character Andromeda as a reinforcement of the relationship that she had with her mentor Ashok, who was very paternal towards her, is still, but they, you know, I speak of them in the past tense because I might never play her again, and that's okay. Um, Next year, no. It's uh, <laughs> happening. I want, listen, I would love, listen, Reverie Peeps, if you're listening, I would love it to happen again, no matter how small. Can, can we please? Can and we hope please? to the wedding. Oh, listen, we have a premise. It's a vampire wedding. Can we please? <laughs> Death and Hope 2, the bachelor and, bachelor and bachelorette party. I'm just saying. It's going to get nasty. Oh, uh, hopefully. Um, within Saturnalia it's, itself, though, um, God, there were there were a handful of moments that were really groundbreaking, you know, uh, or really really important moments, like um, showing up at um, at the starting location. Let's see, just a tea leaf said, uh, "Oh yeah, I couldn't make it to Death and Hope, but I'm happy to hear how impactful it was for you. I'm sure I would have felt the bleed on my end if I was there for different reasons. Absolutely, I." Bleed is not a bad thing. It can be, but bleed brings catharsis and catharsis is good. Um, but um, so the day of Saturnalia, 
showing up and really starting being like the beginning of being in character of everyone saying hello to each other and sitting down at our table ordering dinner and laughing and immediately us looking at each other going oh yep it's a family dinner here it is there's arturo already <laughs> exactly you made that face we're like uh are we gonna be are we gonna are we gonna be have to work tonight oh i hope not we might have to be at work tonight there was a bit of not quite drunken singing on the uh on the roads of new orleans walking to the next location with vivian that was lovely um sitting outside the dungeon uh talking with you and mercy there was the moment in the double dealer <laughs> that moment well there were two there were there were several moments in the double dealer but there was um when there there was the moment uh the, there was the dick sucking joke moment um we'll say uh there was mm -hmm. then i after mercy got up and had to go scream elsewhere about that moment we were sitting on the couch together and sister golden hair came on and i sang I sang along to Sister Golden Hair and made some offhand comment. That's when it really, I really decided that no Andromeda still has the background of the of the band thing and said I would sing this song all the time when I was when I was in my band when I was the singer. Oh goodness, there was there was a uh, an argument between Yanakarwa and Ashok. Then and they literally would they were arguing at each other and then would say Andromeda tell him and then and then Ashok would argue back and say Andromeda tell her. As they were yelling, you were at an each assassin other. vampire <laughs> with like ye, like ye decades of experience behind you, and what you were caught up with was mommy and daddy are fighting. Mom and dad are fighting again, and they're using me to they're using me to fight, and I'm sitting here with a letter from a person I don't remember with this bombshell that I'm try that I tried to give them all night, never ended up doing it. But it's like I. I was about to tell you guys, like, I was about to tell you guys this. I was about to tell Yana Karwa this, this bombshell truth. Oh, but great. You're both here. I don't have to say it again. And as soon as I'm about to say it, a bunch of werewolves show up and I'm like, great. Now I can't. And then at the BK house. Which was the final location. The, for it the was the Larpa final Tuff. location. Um, I can't remember what the BK down stands for, um, but it's an old uh, plantation house. I want to say out in the French quarter. It's an, it, it's a fascinating place. Um, what was supposed to be just little little um, spooked ripples um, going through the the crowd ended up of the Second Inquisition ended up being absolutely a giant freakout of a bunch of people leaving, um, which was fine. It was super fucking packed in there. Um, it was it was a tight it was a tight fit for all of the players. But you and I were out. Well, before that, there was there was a ritual that both of us took place in, took part in individually with uh, Arturo, who was a, a thousand year old salubri. And uh, we. What, what did that ritual uh, do? So that ritual. Oh, yes. Thank you. The ritual um, we didn't realize would have the same effect on both of us. I had no clue. Um, the ritual essentially made us I'm gonna read. I have it right here. If you have opted into this ritual, you gradually over the course of this Saturnalia evening begin to feel more human again. So long as you retain the bloody thumbprint mark put upon you by Elder Arturo, you are free to adopt the below optional effects in any fashion your character deems fit. Breathe. Think about breathing. You haven't done that in a long time. And now you can, unconsciously. Is it unsettling? Is it refreshing? What feelings does breathing again stir? Warmth. You can feel the warmth of flesh and your blood flowing through your veins, perhaps even a heartbeat. Be aware of temperature changes, the warmth or cold of objects against your flesh, the shivers of sensation. 
how does experiencing this lost sense affect you? And the very last one, which was the most interesting, fire and sun. You feel no aversion to fire or sun. You're not sure what would happen if you were to experience either, but your beast seems gone, or at least absent for now. What does the absence of that predator within you make you think or feel? Is it relief or a deeper fear? And so Jacob and Andromeda both experiencing this, feeling more human than they have in at least 40 years, are in the courtyard. It is cold. It There was several storm systems moving through New Orleans, so it was um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 42 degrees-ish. We were out in the courtyard. Everyone was panicking. I wanted to run. I knew that the easier thing to survive this possible attack of the Second Inquisition was to run, to get our pack out and or not our pack. Sorry, that's me as a, that's me as a Sabat player, Miss Beaton. <laughs> by the way, Jacob is a former Sabat. Yes, Jacob is former Sabat, but Andromeda would think get our coterie out, um, get us somewhere else safe, and we'll be fine. Jacob did not want to run. And at that moment, we were talking about everything that was happening and Jacob said, none of this makes any sense. And Andromeda said, the only thing that makes sense tonight is us. And um, in that moment, because we as players were too shy, we did not have the, uh, we did not pause and uh, negotiate intimacy, but we remember it as music swelling, uh, you know, lights lights coming up as the characters kiss because that's what the story should have been. But we were both too shy to ask for the thing that we didn't realize that both of us wanted at the time. And that's okay. So this is why this see see folks, this is why consent is consent this mechanics are important. Use them. Of... You get things like that. There um, was that moment and that is the standout moment to me and that LARP was Yeah when you earlier when we talked about the concept of bleed where you're not mm -hmm. your character not yourself and these things that was the one moment yeah. that like there was no i could not hear the chatter of everybody around and, and imagine there are hundreds of people playing this game yeah there was there was at least 100 150 hundreds. people there yeah and for whatever reason like when she said that just yeah, it was, that was absolutely the lightning in a bottle moment. And even though we did not think to pause and negotiate consent for any intimacy, I think we did hug though. Yeah, we did. We did hug. Um, that was an accepted, like we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. We'd, we'd already talked about that, that, uh, that comfort level. Um, that was, that was absolutely the lightning in a bottle moment for me. Um, there was, there was another scene with, Owen, Andy's essentially on again, off again situationship where they exchanged I love you's and he told her that uh, he was going to go through some change, some ritual that would change him. And um, he didn't know what it, what it was going to do to him. He didn't know if he was ever going to see her again. He didn't know if he was going to die, but he needed to do this. He felt and a encouragement to do something very dark that would maybe remove her him from her life. 
Yeah. And she had to accept that. Yeah. He, she, um, she knew that this would make him happy. This is what he wanted. And this was something that was important to him and his faith that he was called to do this. And he didn't know what was going to happen, but it was important for him to do it. And she accepted that she, they said, I love yous. Um, they kissed, uh, they kissed on the cheeks and, uh, and then after that moment, it was that beautiful heart wrenching moment of, I might never see this man that I've loved, you know, that I've loved so intensely that I've been through so much. I might never see him again. And now I have to continue my night as if I'm fine because all of these other people need me to be fine. But fuck but, it. But, but boy, did your ex just throw you onto another guy. He did not. Okay. He <laughs> did not throw me under. He shipped us from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> it was not, it was not, listen, it, it was all non-monogamy. It always had been. <laughs> he just, he just went, you guys have been, you guys have been five feet apart. Cause you're not gay for 40 years. Can you like, please, can you scooch <laughs> can together? Just, just do the thing. Please, my God, just kiss already. Owen, oh, Owen, oh, for 40 years. Oh my God, just kiss. What is wrong with you? Just kiss. All right. So let's get away from your your character yeah. itself. Um because I, we, we would talk <laughs> about this for like another five hours. And we Chad's would. just like, God, Sorry. really? Like Andy and Jacob are talking to each other romantically again. Again. <laughs> again. They never knew. <laughs> um but as a longtime gaming veteran, how did Saturnalia feel to you as a complete role play experience? Did you feel like your character was able to have like a full like story arc over the course of the game that you had to play? Or did you need some extra time? Um, I will always want extra time. I don't think I needed. Would the story have been more interesting if there was one more day? Absolutely. Did I need it? No, not for me. Um I went in thinking that I was going to have a specific story. Um, Tobias, uh, who was um, part of our group, I can never, I can never remember how to how to pronounce his last name. He's the he was a former CEO of uh, Paradox. He went in saying that he always wanted to be killed while he was at a LARP. While he was LARPing, and he's never done that. While he was the CEO, no one no one wanted to because they didn't so, want to yeah. kill him. And I. And so, I'm how we sorry, got blessed Tobias. with a former CEO of White Wolf oh being in the Grave Seekers blows in my group. fucking mind. And he was and like, "Yeah, I love the I loved character." Oh, his his character was delightful. Carl, I loved Carl. It was so like beautiful, beautiful, and like per- this this so perfect like, of a essentially neo Nate Lasombra, who's being played by a person who was the former CEO of White Wolf fucking no, studios. No, no, no. He he was a he was a he was an um he was like a venture. an Ansel Aventru. Venture, yeah. Like, but so so sheltered and from Europe. And we went in. He wanted his character to die. I said, Great. Uh my character's initial goal is actually to commit Diablery tonight. So how do you feel about Diablery? And everyone else in our group went, Oh no, Andromeda, Except no. Jacob. Except Jacob. Jacob's like, Do you need a hand? Um here's my hand. And we, God, no, Jacob, no, I'm not. But um, we initially worked out a story of what what would be interesting. Wouldn't this be interesting of this sort of story to give to give Tobias this this story of, um, you know, undermining and 
you know, the, this, this perceived threat that was non-existent to the point that I, my character would opt to, to protect a show from what she thought was a threat to kill and, and then eventually diablerize him. Mm -hmm. um, but because her story shifted and Tobias to his credit really tried. And I had to tell him at some point during the night, I went off game, Tobias, I'm so sorry. My character's story has changed to the point that I cannot, I cannot give you the death that we agreed that we were going to try and do. Um, if it, listen, though, if Saturnalia 2 happens, then Tobias, you make it. <laughs> Absolutely, all bets are off. This is my Electric wedding present. Boogaloo, I'm going to diablerize you. <laughs> As my wedding present to myself. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was just going to say man. our wedding present. Jesus. Our wedding present. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> We're no. going to diablerize a member of our mentor's clan. <laughs> oh, no. We just admitted um, something out loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... Uh, but... Um, so the, the story I ended up having, if we had not played uh, Death and Hope, I still think I, I would have had a full, a full compelling story because then I would have been able to tell that story that we wanted with Tobias, that I wanted with Tobias. Right. Um, with oh. Death and Hope, I absolutely had a, a complete storytelling experience. Because this uh, like, random this asshole showed up and just ruined all of it. What? Who? What? <laughs> This random Our guy. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> no. This random guy showed up and ruined everything on Death and Hope. Nah. Um. Don't talk about Arturo that way. <laughs> <We love Arturo. laughs> I'm kidding. No. But but you 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 make an excellent point because you are saying that even though you had an additional day to role play with your group, maybe it did change the dynamic of your character, but. Mm -hmm you still feel like you got an entire story arc, even if it was just Saturday Night Live itself, we took Death, Death and Hope yeah. out of the equation. You still feel like you got a complete amazing arc just for your character by that. Yes. Um, just that day, I think, was uh, a fantastic, a, a fantastic story that was brief. Would I absolutely have wanted that night to last six more hours? Yes. But Caroline yeah. needs sleep and, uh, you know, to eat and things like that. Um, Caroline is not 20 years old anymore <laughs> and can't survive on two hours of sleep and enough caffeine to kill a horse. But I, with the game that I had, with the experience that I had at Just Saturnalia, absolutely, it was a complete storytelling and experience. And the reason I bring that up is I really want to have our audience who has maybe not participated in a LARP like this before understand that by going to it, you can have a full RP experience the way that like a, a six month D and D campaign goes, but you can do mm -hmm. that in six hours. If you have the right LARP and the right people and the right motivation for it. Right. Yes. And like what, I will say you do have to put in the effort. You do have to put in some degree of effort in the, in the beginning to at least make some seeds. I think it really benefits. Could you absolutely do what my friend Corrigan did, which was not be able to have the time to make any character ties ahead of time. And just show up and just yes and literally in character lie your way to absolute political power over the course of a night. Yes, you can. Is it hard? Absolutely. But it's possible. But if you put in the effort to make a little bit of friends and try and develop the seeds of a story, then all you have to do, water those seeds, show up and watch it happen. Just take yeah. place. Like, well, and I say watch it happen, but I mean, take part in it happening and it will go. Okay. So I, uh, for you as Caroline 
what were some of the highlights of Saturnalia? And when I say that, I mean people you met, things that played out. Nothing is off limits, just the things that made you happy when you were in that LARP. Well, there was this weird Texan guy that I met. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not weird. No, not I just, I, I, you know, I have been interviewing people for like 10 years for my podcast, and you were the first person to make me blush in the middle of a fucking interview. So here we go. Continue. <laughs> um, the, the people that I met during the course of the LARP that night and the weekend um, absolutely really make it. I, I like to play LARP for the experience, but I keep LARPing because of the people that I LARP with. Um, so like, once again, just showing up in New Orleans and with not really a ton of plans about what I'm going to do in town, in the city, is j just show up, let life happen to me, let the good things happen to me, meet these lovely people, accept that these people that I think are so much more important than me want to meet me back. Up until Dawn just said, great people make great LARPs. It's true. It is absolutely true. It, yeah, meeting these people that I think are so, that I perceive as so much more important than me, who want to meet me back was the, was, it's something that I will continue to always struggle with because imposter syndrome is horrible. But yeah, it was meeting the grave seekers in person, exploring the town with them, getting to hang out with you. You were absolutely such a gentleman and walked me back to my, uh, back to my Airbnb, uh, fri both Friday night and Saturday night, which I really appreciated because uh, New Orleans is not a safe city. Um, and the French Quarter is especially not safe in the middle of the night, especially not alone. So I... I was uh, happy to. Yeah, it was, it just, oh gosh, how do I, how do I limit these, these, you know, these memories that are such a lovely blur that are also intense and also full of love. The, I did want to touch back on the, the LARP studio that put on end of the line, their thing was their mantra was all is love. And it's, it's, it's fucking true. Okay. All is love. And that's the, that's honestly, you know, it's the thing that I say at LARPs now at Nordic style LARPs, all is, all is love. Yo Saturnalia. Cause fun fact, y'all, if you didn't know in Italian and in Latin, I O is yo. They still say yo. They've said yo for thousands of years to get someone's attention. Yo. Yo, Saturnalia. If you had to pick one from Death and Hope and pick from one from Saturnalia itself, two, that's two highlights. Go. Okay, fine. Um, sitting at the sitting at the table and realizing, uh, I think it was right after uh, Ashok did not want me to make him laugh, and then realizing that Arturo had tried to get into a fight with the Tremere at the bar because <laughs> the Tremere cut in front of him in line. That was my bad. <laughs> that, was, that was your fault? It wasn't my fault. It was just we were in line talking to each other. Oh. The Tremere cut him off. And he oh. was just like, oh, I'm going to go cap a motherfucker. And I went, no, like, stop. Like, Jacob, please. god damn it. I was just trying um, to prevent him from violence. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it back because I remember the other, this moment that is going to, that is going to um, stick with me forever. This role play moment of one of the, one of the practitioners who was leading the funeral rites was in the process of getting possessed of the spirit of the ocean. And the thing that is important that I will explain is the boat went up 
and would turn and come back down the the Mississippi a, a ton of times, very smooth. Could not feel that could not feel it turning, which was which was great for By me. By the way, this is not, not a described a thing. This is an actual thing that we were experiencing. This was an week. actual thing that we were experiencing, um, and we were literally on a on a steamboat, uh, a steam paddle boat that was going up and down the Mississippi. But it's important to know that the boat would turn and go back and then turn and come back. And it and it went through it went through the section of river several times as this practitioner is getting possessed by the spirit of the ocean. The drum beats are really intense. The boat swings and I watch across the windows and there was not a photo taken of it. I don't know how many people even noticed as the boat swung and turned. I watched the moon low and large and orange and almost full swing across all of the windows behind him. And I think I might've been the only person who saw that. And that moment, that fucking moment, you know what? Another lightning in a bottle moment where no one else, I don't think saw it. I couldn't, I couldn't, by the time I could say no anything, it, it was, it was past. Shot. It was, it was your personal moment. Yeah. It was a moment just for me. In and for Saturnalia. For Saturnalia. I mean, that, car, that courtyard moment was really fucking amazing. But I think I'm going to say at the end, before the final ritual, Mercy had taken part in a mass diablerie, not necessarily super willingly. And she was having a lot of big emotions about it. And I remember you running up to me going, Andromeda, you need to come with me. It's Mercy, I think. You didn't explain what happened until I was there. She had blood on her mouth and she was shaking and crying and... I got to the, in the letter that I got at the end of Death and Hope, one of the things it mentioned was that part of the path of Lilith is offering succor, offering relief to those in pain. And I'd been looking for that all night. And here it was without any coordination. She was scared and in pain and lost. And this, this with this extremely traumatic event for her. And I held her. You stood up, and I think you were talking with the show. For me, the world melted away. It was, I was just defending, yeah, her actions. It was just mercy and I. So I was looking at her and explaining to her that it is okay that she felt the way she did. It is okay that she did what she did. It is okay that she didn't want to, and that she did. It is okay that it felt good in the moment to do this thing that we have been told our entire unlife is antithesis to everything that we are trying to work towards as the grave seekers. And there was a moment, I think, where she's, it was the moment where she said, I, but I liked it. And I said, it's okay. It's okay that it felt good. And I like, she buried her head uh, against first my off, chest. I didn't I, know that because welcome to the club, baby girl. You are in good company. Yeah, I know. <laughs> welcome to the troubled children. It's okay. <laughs> Um, Ashok's going to have to just revisit his stance on Diablory, or he's going to have to just take a bunch of fucking copium, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, that moment was really, was really important for me because Andromeda had been trying to be a good Bahari and try and offer pain and succor. And this beautiful, by sheer happenstance moment of this scared and in pain, this with in the Bahari, you know, faith in vampire, I'm gonna have to explain it. There is the concept. There's the 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 
part of the story is Cain pulling himself through these brambles into Lilith's garden. Cain is still a man at this point. It is before any of the angels have visited him. He's just begun his travels through uh, the land of Nod, east of Eden, and pulls himself through these brambles into this garden to find any relief. And in the garden, through the pain, he finds relief. And Lilith is the one who offers him her blood and his blood. And through that visits, the angels visit him. And through that he becomes a vampire and learns the powers of the blood. Um, and so in that concept of offering pain and succor that I was able to do this really, this really lovely thing of offering support. Once again, some catharsis, a little bit of bleed here that I've just <laughs> processed, that I'm just realizing now of offering comfort in a time of, 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 of where trauma has just taken place in a way that I haven't gotten a lot of times because I've had to be that person for me. And now I was being that person for me in a better way. And I was being it for mercy and it was, <laughs> I love that moment. Anyway, well, as I explained for heart. like 20 minutes about that. <laughs> oh, my fucking heart. Um, Saturnalia was a game that took place over several days. Is there anything that you wish got, you wanted to do at Saturnalia, but didn't have the time for, or maybe the flow of role play didn't allow for? Yeah, I, I touched on it, um, that I, I, as a player like to help other players achieve the story that they want. And I am genuinely, I am genuinely a little sad. I am genuinely sad that because my character story took such a different turn than I was anticipating that I did not get to help Tobias have the experience he was trying to have of killing his character. Um, so sorry, sorry, Tobias. We'll just have to role play again of these same characters. Sad I'll get, I'll get to then. Saturnalia <laughs> 2. Like, oh, well, you know. He's um, our wedding present, right? He's our wedding present. He's our wedding present that he shows up to our wedding and um, says something vaguely vampiric and uh we're you know vaguely you know weirdly weirdly vampiric but not actually problematic and we're just like mm, should we kill him let's kill him <laughs> um so i am a little sad that i didn't get to help him with his, with that story that he was looking for and that at the beginning of the night we're like absolutely let's make it happen um uh i think that's the big one there is the moment that we agreed the courtyard moment that we agreed that because we were both too shy to um to to negotiate the the intimacy consent um which is okay yeah. because we realized that that is a moment that we can just write in as it should have been right in and that's easy can. enough oh yeah absolutely uh i i think those are the two big things that didn't happen that i that i wish could have that i could have made work well the one that i wish i could have made work but didn't and that's okay um and the one that you know we just we just rewrote this, the story and said, yep, definitely the characters kissed. Next time. Next time. <laughs> so how would you describe your experience with Saturnalia compared to other role play experiences of the past? Let's just like go big picture. Let's talk about, you know, all the various LARPs you have participated in, whether it be the night in question, Saturnalia or other things. Like how did this fit against those things? Oh, it, it and, is, and I, want, I want to talk yeah. about emotional intensity. I want to talk about acting. I want to talk, bring all of it together here and say like, this was a thing because of X. Um, it's absolutely one of the most intense, one of the, one of the, one of the best uh, role play experiences I've ever had. Um, 
I will say end of the line really topped it for me because it was my first experience. It had some really intense moments where reality was absolutely non-existent to me. You know, that night that I was the, those, I think it was, oh, I want to say two or three hours. It was a really short LARP um, that didn't matter. I'm Mona. I, my name is Mona Archer and I'm here to make everything better and worse. Just ask me and I will get it for you. Um, that was absolutely the, the top of the list for me, um, which is okay. I loved that experience. I will say, I think night, um, Saturnalia is tied with Night in Question 2019. Uh, night in Question 2019, my character went from the path of humanity to the path of night. And so there was the moment where she let go of her last shreds of humanity as the path of night fully was accepted into her was a was an intense, super intense role play moment. Good that old happened. path of night. Path of night, baby. Um, that happened in a confession style Valdery, a huge Valdery with like twenty people. But then Saturnalia is tied with that, with the with the intensity. I think um, you know it's hard to really it's hard to really rank, but I it was looking overall. All of my most intense role play experiences have been in Nordic style LARPs, which makes sense. Um, because I don't have to worry about pulling out a character sheet and going, oh no, but I have to win. Right. You know, the, the Nordic style of LARP lets you find the interest of losing for, you know. That you is play the to best lose. part of the Nordic style is that it, at some points losing is the best possible outcome. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It brings so much more interest. You know, there's sometimes you sometimes having your character die is the better choice. Mm -hmm. I, it's hard to really, it's hard to really like say it was intense because of this, but I think by sheer luck of picking the grave seekers, having known absolutely coordinating with no one about player groups, just picking it. Um, I mean, I might be biased, but I think I got the best group. I, I might be biased too, <laughs> but I think I might've got the best group too. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I had to play a soldier, which is a, an archetype that I am not usually okay with playing. Mm, so yeah. I tried to make the most of it. <laughs> we, we had a grand old time. We made, we yeah. absolutely, we, we, you, uh, you know, you, you run it, you run it into the ground. You, you drive it like you, you drive it like you just paid it off. You drive right, it like and that's the most it, important you know? part about doing a Nordic style LARP is that it isn't because you're not playing to win it is a drive it like you stole it kind of thing. Like if you die by the end of it, you're just like, yeah, cool. Like yeah. what? That was one game. We had a good time. Exactly. The characters don't exist tomorrow. Yeah. They, th yeah. you know, at dawn, they cease to be. Yeah. This is we, your chance. We, we, we were fortunate enough to have characters that got to play in two games that were the same mm -hmm. game, but the first game defined a lot of what happened in the second game. Yeah. And that made things happen. And that was, that was great. Like that was not an expected result of what we had going into the LARP. So. Yeah. I would love for it to be a lot of my friends do a lot of LARPs that take over like a whole weekend, which I would love to try. And I think one of the things I would really love is if, you know, if there was another Saturnalia of having an, having, you know, two game sessions where everyone can go to both. Mm -hmm. Even if it's, you know, a lot smaller of an attendance. Okay. So you're not asking them you know. to pay for the additional, like, add-on to the game. Just like, this is going to be a two-night event. You're going to pay for a two-night event and yeah. it's going to be like a whole ass thing. Yeah. I would love that. I would love that. I understand that it adds a whole extra, like, level of coordination. 
Yeah. Um, you got to deal with businesses and money and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I am a mundanely a corporate travel agent. So I understand you add an extra night onto something and then you have to, you have to look at hotels. You have to look at, you know, other airfare, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, a, extra coordination. But it's, it's a whole, it is one and entire thing. What I'm hearing and, is that if there's only one more Saturnalia, there's a wedding that has to happen. Yes. And if the wedding has to happen, we have to, have to have the party that have the bachelor bachelorette party all smushed into one where there's just a bunch of performers and, you know, everyone gets, you know, fun level of, of drinky and, um, you know, another, another burlesque show. Like why not? Good times for everyone. Good, great times for everyone. As much as I would love to sit here with you and talk about Saturnalia for like five more hours. Yes. Um, I do have a couple more questions that are more RP specific um, as we start to wind things down. So yeah. I, I know that we've been talking for so long about how wonderful this experience was, like being in Saturnalia and all the previous LARP experiences. But for people out there who might be watching or listening who don't have any experience with role playing of any kind, like what advice would you give to them to get started on that path? Like, they obviously hear how much fun we're having and they want to yeah. do that for like, how do they get into that? Um, well, I will, all I will absolutely say um, if you're into horror, if you're new at this and you're, and you're into horror or you're interested in horror, uh, look up the night in question. If you're American, uh, look up the night in question and go to the night in question. Oh. It is absolutely. I think, you know, if you're a first time LARPer getting a human ticket, as a very first time LARPer at the night question, you're going to have a blast. You're going to have a blast. It is absolutely great. Um, as far as tips of getting into role-playing itself, play pretend like you did when you were a kid. Yes. And don't be afraid to say no. And if people say no to you, it's not about you. And when, and if, and when they say no, you go, okay, thanks. Have a great night. You don't ask them again, as hard as that might be. Those are the biggest rules. All is love. And um, if you want something to happen, ask you say hey off game i would really love for this to happen how do we make that happen you ask for what you want and if you ask for what you want from a game runner from a fellow player from anyone they will make it happen or they will say i am not interested in making that happen and if they're not interested in it well, it's not about them you know if they say no it's not about you and you find someone else these feel um, like very solid rules just for life in general Weird. Communicate your wants to people that <laughs> people are who are around you. And if the people who are around you don't like the things that you're into, probably look at, look into some therapy about it and uh, get other friends if you have yeah. to. Welcome to um, the world of role play, everyone. Welcome to the ro- world of role play. We are all playing pretend. Um, and if you don't like your character, make a new one. If only we could. I mean, you can. The self so. is a construct. That's very true. All right. A couple more questions before I wrap this entire interview up. Uh, again, I appreciate all of your time for this. Um, our discussion last week for the podcast was based around the idea of the importance of role playing. So when I say those words specifically, the importance of role playing, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? <sighs> the importance of role play. I mean, as humans, one of the interesting things about humans um about is that they don't ever really stop playing and that's important 
that we don't stop playing. It's important that we continue to play like we did when we were kids. Um, you know, to play little games with ourselves, to you know, do to do puzzles, to bring joy into our lives in these weird, silly ways. And if that means getting together with a bunch of strangers and playing pretend, w wandering around a city for a weekend and pretending to be vampires, then do that because. Sure. I mean, there is that the 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 word homoludens, which is us who play. Yeah, like the idea exactly. that we as humans, as homo ludens, from the very beginning, no matter how serious life was, we always found a way to find play and games within each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's been um, this phrase rattling around in my head. The first part of it has been rattling around in my head for a while, um, but I got the second half recently, and that is that magic is where you look for. You find magic where you look for it but love is where you find it. And I don't know exactly what that all means, but. Sometimes it's in New Orleans. Yeah, exactly. Love is where you find it. And in, in role play, it, I mean, gosh, it's just, it's important because we are humans and humans need to play. Humans need to retain whatever kind of joy that this, hard heartless worm infested pentex ridden <laughs> pentex ridden world it's this world is full of pain and cruelty heartlessness and we as individuals may not have the power to change the planet but we have the power to change our world by those around us and we do that by bringing joy and we do that by playing i have a question for you and this is off script when i think about the evils of the world of darkness as somebody who's been playing it as long as i have which wow way too long um even when i'm playing a monster at its deepest core there are certain dark elements that i don't want to cross because you know what sometimes the darkness is too much what is that line between the lowercase m monster and the uppercase monster? I think that line exists. It, it's different for everyone of where that line actually is. For me, I find joy in playing horrifying, fantastical monsters mm -hmm. because the horror isn't real. It is only fun while I have control of it if that makes sense, that I, I am able to find joy in exploring these things on my terms. And when it is not fun, I stop. I could absolutely, you know, I, I, have, I, can, I can play games where we e explore themes of, you know, uh, assault in various flavors. I have, I have uh, played games where we have experienced the ravages of uh, industrialism. I've played uh, I played a character recently. It was actually in late May, early June, after my cousin's passing. I played a character, I played a monster in Wrath and Tears uh, that was the anthropomorphic personification of radium itself. A thing that is one million times more radioactive than uranium. A thing that is used that was used so widely to the to the death of so many that 
the reason that Mar Marie Curie's body will glow for the next thousand years, the reason that girls' bodies will glow for the next thousand years, and the thing that given in tiny doses, in tiny doses of exposure, helps. Radium was used for a while in radiation therapy. Now they use a lot less radioactive things, but even after losing a cousin to cancer, taking control of, taking the reins of this horrible thing gave me some sense of control of it for just a little bit in order to explore it in a way that was safer. I think the, uh, once again, the lines of, of consent with, with the other players, with the storytellers of comfort and knowing that if it was never, if it ever was not super fun, I could tell them, I need to recalibrate. This isn't fun for me. Can we pause? Can we pause? So the, I, yeah, to answer your question in a, in a, in a sentence, the line of little M, big M monsters are the themes that we choose to explore and on the terms that we choose to explore them. Because there are themes that I will not want to explore because they don't need to be explored. I, I see them enough, you know, we can talk, you know, we can play around them. They are a theme that happen over here that we do not have to act out, but giving your character also some redemption, some reason to be bigger than these other horrors is also important you know, to give your character a little humanity in some being, fashion. Being the monster is not the most important thing. It's finding what is next for the monster in some places. I, exactly. Exactly. To be a horrifying monster with no point is just, it's a pizza cutter. All yeah. edge and no point. You got to have a point. Oh, man, there's so many things to think about. Thank you for unpacking all this with me. We're almost at the end of this interview. Before we go, I... I do know that you said on Twitter that you said you had a recipe for non-sticky fake blood that looks realistic. Would you be willing yes. to share that secret with everyone? Yes. Um, I don't recall the proportions off the top of my head, um, but it is a, a basic one that I learned from uh, like some film and acting classes. But instead of using caro syrup, it is it's a little runnier. Um, so it would be cocoa powder, powdered sugar. Um, red food coloring, and then water, and then you'd thicken it with, um, oh, then you'd thicken it with uh, food thickener, but the cornstarch in the powdered sugar helps with the consistency. Um, but it's not sticky, and it dries, it looks pretty realistic, and it does not taste terrible. Uh, and uh, so... The other option is a little bit of uh, cranberry juice and um, cocoa powder with some food thickener. But I will warn you, do not get that in your eye. Ask me how I know. I got it in my eye at the Night in Question 2021 and the most, in, the most realistic yelp of pain of that entire particular scene was when I opened my eye at just the wrong second. Got a little boop in my Ooh. eye. <laughs> Screaming and hollering in pain and then, oh, 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 Fuck my eye, warn a girl. Ah, oh, 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 you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. It stinks. Oh, oh my eye. <laughs> and there it is. There's the recipe for it. Caroline, thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah. It's been not only a pleasure to have you here chatting with me for way longer than I thought that we would, and and not in a bad way. I mean, seriously, I wanted us to do a deep <laughs> dive into role play, and I wanted to pick your brain about 
what makes for amazing role play. And you brought that to the table tonight. So thank you so much for that. Um, but it's also, it's, uh, this entire discussion was personal for me because it's been a long time since I got to get a deep dive into role playing the way that I did when I was younger and I could not have done it if not for you and us being in Saturnalia together. So, um, you know, hashtag, uh, Andy Jacob forever. Um, <laughs> hashtag Saturnalia two wedding. <laughs> Yeah, the wedding's going to happen. Uh, that being said, I, I really do want to give a shout out to everybody in the Reverie staff, everybody uh, that that helped build the Saturnalia game for us because we would not be having this discussion right now if it was not for them. Um, By Night Studios, all of you, seriously, with like a lot of appreciation. Please do Saturnalia too. That's what we're hoping for. But um, for you, Caroline, if people want to find some of your work online, where could they go? You can find me on TTRP Theater. That is uh, TTRP underscore theater um, on Twitch. All of our back episodes are on YouTube. Um, uh, I did have some, I did have another campaign on the Zweihander channel, um, uh, which uh, I believe the back episodes of, of Silver and Blood are on the Zweihander YouTube channel. Um, uh, you can find me in social media at... Um, at fiery underscore sunbird. Yeah, that's mostly where you can find me. I don't do social media a ton. I'm pretty bad at, at uploading okay. stuff, but I'm, I'm there. Shout it out where you can. Take care of your yeah. people. And yeah, thank you to all of our audience who has been in chat all night, by the way, and just giving us like suggestions <sighs> for things to talk about. We appreciate each and all of you. Um, that is everything we have for this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed our one-off special about role-playing Saturnalia. I know that it was pretty intense, but it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time and getting to uh, talk about these things with the community. And of course with Caroline is super important to me. Um, and I really do hope that if you enjoyed this, you'll tune in for our weekly news show, but until next time, good night and a good game. We love you. Bye.